Do you love coffee and Monero as much as we do? Consider making gratuitous.org your daily cup. Pay with Monero for premium fresh beans, and if you like what you taste, send a digital cash tip directly to the Guatemalan farmers that made it possible. Proceeds help us grow this channel, Gratuitous, and Monero. This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by CakeWallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. CakeWallet is open source and you always control your own keys. And by Sweetwater Digital Asset Consulting. Connecting new money with old money since 2018. And by Change Now, a limitless crypto exchange. CakeWallet, Sweetwater Digital, and Change Now are trusted and verified by the Monero community. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman interviews Timothy Bichot, a financial advisor and public speaker known for his liberty approach to financial planning and wealth management. Tim discusses his journey in crypto, the shock he experienced when realizing the Fed was a private entity, how he became one of the first financial advisors to recommend Monero for his clients' portfolios, and how crypto like Monero, which is private by default, can help combat the incoming feudalistic high-tech debt system that he believes we are headed towards. Monero Talk starts now. All right. Tim, thanks for coming on, man. No, thank you for having me. I uh, saw your presentation at CryptoPoco a couple years ago and was meaning to connect with you and glad that uh, we, we found each other. Yeah, I didn't even realize we had met until you refreshed my memory. Um, I saw you recently doing a presentation on the Crypto Vigilante where I did one as well. And I, yours is one of the ones that I actually caught. And uh, I thought it was great. I thought you did a great job. Yeah, well, I gave a very similar one a couple of years ago, which may have been one of the ones you didn't catch. But unfortunately, they had me speaking at the same time as James Corbett, which, you know, is a very you know tough draw. I mean, it's not maybe the crypto community doesn't necessarily know who he is. But in terms of the independent researchers, one of the bigger draws at Anarchapoco. So unfortunately, I was up against one of the main headliners, which is not always the, uh, the best thing to uh, be up against. But uh, but yeah, anyways, I, yeah, I do have basically strategies that are out there as a financial advisor that most people don't aren't aware of and don't know about and you know there's a lot of tools that the i don't like calling them elite but the you know ultra wealthy use to basically you know end up you know quote unquote giving away money while keeping more of their money and giving less to the irs through all these different strategies and so basically i tried to figure out what they were doing and then trying to bring that to the crypto community as far back as august of 2017 and then I uh, ended up losing my job for speaking at Anarchapoco the first time in January of 2018. So, you know, I don't really know too many 30-year-olds uh, at the time that were going to turn down a six-figure residual income uh, and had to give it all up. And, yeah, I mean, I went on quite the journey. But I guess I'll let you start asking questions unless you want me to keep continuing going on. No, this is great background. So, um, it's not, so you're in it. You're in it for the liberty. You're you're one of these guys that's. Uh, it seems like you're motivated by 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 higher things here. Like you said, you lost your job because uh, you were given a presentation. Why exactly? What what? Why did you lose your job over that? 
Well, in 2017, when I, you know, told them what I was up to and trying to do different types of crypto IRAs and crypto trust strategies, a larger firm that I was working at, I was, I was an independent contractor with them. I wasn't even an employee. I had my own firm inside of their own firm that had other advisors working underneath me along with a business partner and everything was going great. And no one, and at the time, Bitcoin was under the radar. No one cared about it. This was, you know, August, September, even beginning of October, 2018, then, you know, start coming around, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time, all of a sudden, everyone and their grandma knows about Bitcoin. And the company I was uh, hanging my shingle under, uh, which uh, was LPL Financial, decided that they would just ban every single financial advisor in the country from talking about Bitcoin, thinking about Bitcoin, daydreaming about Bitcoin. I mean, basically everything Bitcoin related, you were just shunned. And so I was, I had already talked with Jeff Berwick about speaking at, uh, at uh, I was, you know, I was already on his Anarchast show and it was right around right around my birthday time actually so it's like right around like january 8th 9th 10th ish that they decided to just ban every advisor from talking about bitcoin and i was already supposed to be going to anarchapoco to give this presentation and already spent you know a huge amount of time trying to figure out these trust strategies and at the time i was actually trying to tell people even though i'm a huge believer in bitcoin and crypto i at the time thought it was a massive bubble uh you know back when it was you know like 17 18 19 20 thousand dollars which at the time i was right and so i was trying to tell people like hey if you put in a thousand dollars and now you're worth 10 million and you want to take out a million or two and you know and at that point let the rest ride you know here's some trust strategies how you can do it so i wasn't even allowed to tell people how they could even sell bitcoin into these trusts and so they said hey you're not allowed to give that presentation i was basically like you know what screw you guys I'm not five years old. I'm giving that presentation anyway. So then in order to do that, you know, I ended up losing my Series 7 license, uh, had to basically give up my entire like annuity book of business that I had, had, uh, you know, decent amount of trails coming in. Finally, as I, I was only two years into making a jump from like the first place I was working at into be going independent. And I did it. So like when I was, probably wasn't really big enough to be able to do so. So I really needed to make hay with the sunshine. And so, uh, so yeah, so losing that, I mean, really hurt because I finally started like kind of like making it. It was finally at a good spot. And then as soon as I get to that good spot, then I basically threw it all away to, uh, you know, essentially stood up for what I believe in. I mean, now I'm like way bigger than I was before and, you know, no weapon used against me. So prosper. And, and I was, and then it forced me to do things like going to zoom and lost my office next to the, next to like the Ferrari dealership, lost all that, lost all that stuff. And then I started basically doing exclusively zoom, uh, you know, even going back to early 2018, but really 2015. And so the best part of the, about this whole pandemic is that I never had to tell anybody what Zoom meant ever again. And then going back to all this is that in 2008, I was on a class that won the national competition on the Federal Reserve against like Harvard and Yale and MIT. And our class saying was actually in Fed we trust. I mean, I'm not even not even joking. And so one day this guy, so I graduated in 2008. My first day in the job is, is September 15th, 2008, the day Lehman Brothers uh, you know, crashes and the stock market, you know, went down, I think, uh, 777 points. And I think it finished down like close to 666, but it was, it, uh, so that was a real wake up call. Then I realized, wait a minute, I just took this class in the federal reserve. All my teachers were saying that, you know, this could never, we could never have this crash, uh, all this other stuff that could never happen. And here it is happening day one. And so then, you know, one day I'm at a party and this guy that looks like Rob zombie and he's got, you know, hair down to here is talking about the federal reserve and how it's private. And I'm like, dude, you're full of crap. There's no way it's private. And then end up finding out then basically, uh, watch the documentary from freedom to fascism, which then led me to the book creature from Jekyll Island, which then led me down the entire rabbit hole. And it really pissed me off. And, and I was thinking like, if I didn't know the federal reserve was private again, this is, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, people watching this like, Oh, everyone knows the Fed is private. Well, no, they didn't in 2008, nine and 10. 
not everybody knew that Fed, Fed was private. And so, uh, you know, it really pissed me off because I'm like, if I have a Series 7 stockbroker's license, Series 66, LifeX and Health, on my way to get it, becoming one of the youngest certified financial planners in the country, I was already a charter retirement planning counselor and all these designations, and I didn't know it was private. I'm like, who the hell else would know it's private? I was like in the prime spot to know that. And I didn't know that. And it really made me mad. So then, uh, you know, then that led me to Ron Paul. Uh, it's funny. Actually, I just interviewed Jira Griffin uh, like three days ago. So it's funny because now like, you know, it's all come around full circle. Uh, I've interviewed him a few times. So it's uh, it was that me not know it being wrong on something that then really kind of lit a fire underneath me to then, uh, you know, kind of expose the system because at the root fundamental basis, like if we don't own our money and our money is you know, is basically an IOU of the, on another IOU, that's, you know, a treasury bill bond a note that you can never pay back the debt. And we're in this like high tech debt feudal slavery system. And, and that really, you know, pissed me off and, and I didn't want to be a slave. And, uh, and then, you know, and unfortunately it, I did not get into Bitcoin right away, even though, because it was right around this, this time is that I thought that the blockchain technology, uh, and again, this is like probably 2010, you know, I didn't have, I was doing other things. I was just trying to feed myself at this point. I was doing triathlons. I was not, you know, I didn't have a bunch of tech geek friends who were pounding Bitcoin down my throat at the time. And I was just thinking, you know what, this technology seems like this could be the mark of the beast technology that could be used to track, trace and surveil us. And I think to some degree, I was basically sort of right that it wasn't necessarily Bitcoin, but the underlying blockchain technology you know, is going to be used to track, trace and surveil everybody. You've got 110 countries right now around the world actively trying to implement a, a CBDC or central bank digital currency. Uh, and so, I mean, and then they're going to obviously, I mean, the game plan is to tie that into a vaccine passport because they always wanted to get a, a social credit score. And so you, so basically, you know, you can't come out and say, Oh, we've got a social credit score. You've got to have a backdoor Trojan horse into that. And so that backdoor Trojan horse, in my opinion, is going to be the vaccine passport. And then they're probably going to eventually tie that. I mean, now we're seeing like MasterCard coming out and saying, uh, you know, they're going to tie your purchases to, you know, your monthly carbon allowances. And they're like already having pilot programs of this already. Like it was just announced a couple of weeks ago. And so you see like all this tyranny coming down, like everyone's throat. And then, so then, you know, this is, you know, if there ha isn't a better time for people to get involved like right now in crypto. And I, you know, I do preach privacy coins. I've, you know, taught my clients how to buy Monero. Uh, I'm not a lot if I'm allowed to say pirate chair in here as well, but I, you know, I taught, taught them how to, because I'm not, I, I, you know, I'm talking about, I mean, and I'm way overweight Monero compared to, you know, pr probably, I mean, I don't know any other financial advisor that has clients that have Monero. So, uh, and, and I usually advocate they have a decent amount and they, you know, keep it offline and not on, you know, exchanges, obviously, because I think they're going to have a, a big crackdown, you know, every it's, I think within two or three years. They're going to have some sort of crisis that they're going to manufacture to then get everybody into one of these central bank digital currencies. And like, I even have clients who have Monero in like retirement accounts, although they're trying to, how they would do that is they'd have a self-directed IRA where IRA is owned by your LLC, but now Congress is part of this build back better budget uh, proposal. They're actually trying to ban IRA LLCs right now. So go figure. Um, and there would be a two year unwind on that, but they're actively trying to, to ban that right now. Uh, and so they're trying to close a lot of the escape hatches and escape doors that people would have. Um, 
and I did remember interviewing Dr. Daniel Kim, who I'm sure you guys are you know well aware of at Intercapoco, and we had a conversation about you know legitimate use cases of Monero. And so you know if you're a business owner, I mean, and I, you know, I'm a Monero talk, so I don't need to tell you guys you know legitimate use cases of of all this stuff. But it just you know I guess the whole background of this is I got incredibly mad that I didn't know that the Federal Reserve was private, being in like the catbird seat of knowing that it should be private and wanting to tell other people that, which then led me down, you know, the whole, uh, you know, liberty movement. This is right around the time the Ron Paul revolution is kicking off full steam, then moved from New York to Arizona, where, uh, you know, a lot of the revolution actually kind of started in Arizona with, you know, guys like Ernest Hancock of, uh, you know, coming up with the Ron Paul revolution logo designing and having the first uh, Ron Paul meetup groups at his, at his house. And, you know, it's the first place I heard about Monero is over there. And, uh, you know, everyone, you know, exchanging stuff for Bitcoin, you know, as early as I can remember going over there. And, uh, and yeah, it was just unfortunately me thinking that Bitcoin was going to be the mark of the beast technology is what uh, didn't get me in early on. But now that I see all the central banks talking about their Fed coins, you know, I was sort of right and sort of wrong at the at the same point. And uh, I guess that kind of brings me to, you know, being on Monero Talk Radio now. So, yeah. So, so do you think your, your thesis is still then kind of correct? Well, maybe not whatever you want, Mark of the Beast, but this idea that obviously Bitcoin is completely transparent. Uh, do you think that that's starting to play out? And, you know, the, the real value is with the crypto that actually is private by default, fungible by default? Yeah, no, I, I still am a fan of Bitcoin, although, I mean, I do recognize that, you know, they're obviously, you know, they're creating this Hegelian dialectic problem reaction solution where, you know, Blockstream basically got overtaken by the they them those crowd who you know came in to deliberately mess it up in my opinion where like oh we can't make the block size any bigger we need to you know slow everything down and get 50 dollar transaction fees so that way we have lightning and then you know and a lot of people aren't even aware of you know blockstream was funded by this company named axa which was actually the first company i ever inter interviewed for so axa is this major french insurance conglomerate the the guy just stepped down like relatively recently, but the former head of it was Henry DeCastries. Henry DeCastries was the, I'm not sure if you, if you know this, but Henry, De, Henry DeCastries was the uh, Bilderberg steering, was the head of the Bilderberg steering committee. So you have literally the head of the Bilderberg steering committee, his company gives $70 million to uh, Blockstream core developers. And so, I mean, it's, it's not like you need to take like, you're on, on one of these like digress where it's like everything going over here and trying to connect all these dots. Like, no, literally the head of AXA, who runs the Bilderberg Steering Committee also was the one who put $70 million into funding the Bitcoin core development. And so I think they're going to get you on like the layer two uh, lightning network where they try to say, hey, you know, uh, you know, the, eventually the banks are going to become probably the lightning networks. And so, I mean, obviously, like, there's ways to be more private within Bitcoin. But I think, you know, the average person doesn't care about privacy. The average person doesn't care. They just want it to be easy. They don't even care about holding on to it. They just want it to be easy. Somebody to do it for them. Oh, we got this Chivo wallet in El Salvador that's, you know, non-custodial. You know, we'll do whatever the easiest way is. But uh, but I do like how Monero is private by default. I mean, obviously, you have things like, you know, Dash, which is, you know, supposedly private. But, I mean, I don't know anybody that uses it privately. Uh, you know, I think Zcash, you know, probably a similar thing. So, you know, if it's not private by default, I mean, it's almost... Like it's almost even worse because then you think it's private. Like same thing, I think with like Telegram is that people think they're being private on Telegram, but unless you go into like the super secret chat, you're not private. But most people who have it don't know that. I mean, your crowd probably knows it. I'm preaching to the choir, but uh, you know, I can't tell how many people think they're being like super secret in 
telegram and i'm like no you're actually not doing it you know the right way on there and, and it's probably even worse with crypto because you know you're, you're just going on coinbase buying zcash on there or something and no offense zcash but this is one of the ones i'm thinking of right now off the top of my head but most people if they're going to buy it they're not actually going to do it the right way and they're and they're already going to be tracked right right from step one so that's uh you know so i do think monero has a big um you know use case and that eventually they're going to just put a huge clamp down they're probably going to make it illegal eventually too would be my um uh yeah would be my opinion on that but you know they 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 tried making breathing illegal last year too and that didn't stop me from you know breathing and didn't wear a mask Mm -hmm. the whole time so um well for drugs or you know other other things as well right often when they try to make things illegal I don't know. People want them more, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, drugs only got stronger, you know, more widely available, you know, probably even actually for a little bit cheaper. But, you know, also, I mean, a lot of the things that raise the price of a lot of stuff, too. So, you know, if there's more of a demand because now there's more of an author- authoritarian clampdown and then you're going to limit the supply, then, you know, the supply and demand, then you should have the price going up, all, you know, all things, you know, relative. It's also completely uh, proving the fact that crypto is doing what it's supposed to be doing, right? If they're, if they're not trying to ban your crypto, then your, your crypto probably doesn't work as intended is the, is the way I look at it, right? Uh, if they're trying to ban it, then that means it's probably doing what crypto was meant to do, which is not be, you know, being censorship resistant, being uh, immune to control by, by states or, or corporations. Um, so how do you, you're... You're, uh, you know, you're an investment guy. You, you give people advice on where they should be putting their money. You, you're, you're talking about all the, the positive things about privacy coins. I don't even like to call them privacy coins. Um, you know, I just think those are pure cryptos. Monero being what I believe is the best one, mostly because of the fact that it's, it's just kind of won the market there, right? So if you just look at transaction count, uh, Monero dwarfs all other privacy coins in the in the sector right now. It's the one that's used on the on the dark markets. And if you just look at transaction count, it's just dwarfing all other coins. And the fact that it has a lot of development and a lot of time where you know where it's been tested and um, looked at. You know these are new technologies. So I think all those things play into Monero's network effect. Um, but when you're advised, you said you, you tell you tell your clients to to buy Monero, or you uh, or a lot of your clients are buying Monero. How are you looking at it in terms of and potentially an investment? Like, what's the what's the thesis there? Why should people why why may people want to consider you know having some Monero in the, as part of their portfolio? Well, I think we're, you know, obviously we're going down the the road very fast now towards, you know, authoritarianism where they're wanting to track, you know, everyone's $600 transaction that's going on at the bank and they're getting to the point where every single thing is being tracked, traced and surveilled. And so I do have, you know, almost all of my clientele are crypto anarchists. I mean, I do have some legacy ones from when I was first starting off, but that's, you know, the only people who I'm really bringing on. And if anyone goes to the my website, thelibertyadvisor.com, and they try to see like through the sign up thing, you'll see that there's probably a lot of offensive things that like any liberal or anybody else would already be scared away. So I'm already trying to self-select to not get those people in the first place. But, you know, I really think there's going to be a huge clampdown on, you know, everything that everyone tries doing in all parts of life. And someone like me, that's not going to be vaccinated. That's not 
going through the motions. It's not, you know, wearing, uh, you know, a mask. You know, I feel like there's a good chance we're going to try to cut people like us off from society. And, you know, even, you know, with Bitcoin being, you know, track traced and surveilled, you know, to some extent they could say to, hey, you know, we're blacklisting these addresses. I mean, they're already doing that in certain places. But, you know, I could see, see it getting even worse. Whereas, you know, if you have something that they don't know if you have it and wh- how much you have of it and where it is and, and whatnot, then, you know, you're being more private. And we're seeing, you know, this huge snitch culture where, um, you know, there's incentives to rat out your neighbors and incentives to, uh, you know, it, it's getting, you know, very scary and it's getting, you know, very, very quick, quickening in, in terms of how it's happening. I remember, you know, right around the same time I interviewed uh, Dr. Daniel Kim was like right around the same time, but probably the same day I interviewed, uh, I think it was one of the Steemit founders. I mean, it wasn't Dan Lammer, Lammer but it was, or it was one of the big Steemit, uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now, uh, content creators. And I remember talk, we were talking about the Chinese social credit score and back then, you know, three or four years ago, that was more or, or less, uh, you know, something that we could talk about in theory. But now it's like pretty much on our doorstep and they're trying to, you know, get it here through the uh, the vaccine passport. And it's just very, very obvious, you know, where things are going and to see like this many, this amount of people just laying down and like instantly going and either getting the jab or instantly going and putting masks on, like even in a place like Arizona, that's supposed to be the wild, wild west and supposed to be, you know, more anarchist type place. You know, it disgusted me that I was pretty much the only one walking around at any given time without a mask on at the store. And I was able to, it wasn't, you know, like a place like New York or Massachusetts or, uh, or California or a place like that, where it's, you know, a lot more put pushback, but at the same point, just seeing everyone laying down to this, uh, shows me that, you know, the next time they have some new variant, which actually it's funny, the next variant, because we're on mu now, the, in the Greek alphabet, the, the new comes after mu. So the next variant will actually be called the new variant. So, you know, whatever new variant they have to, that is, oh, we've got some scary reason to go lock everybody down. And, and now you're seeing that everyone's just probably going to go ahead and do it. And, oh, by the way, because what I think is going to happen is like the creator of the federal reserve system is Paul Warburg. He was, uh, in the play, uh, Annie, he was Daddy Warbucks, and just one second, my daughter is. Please, yes, you can go do it. Um, he's asked if you can go download a video game. Yeah, go do it. Yeah. Oh, it's not too bad. Yeah, go, go put on whatever spyware you're gonna go download. No, sorry. Um, but you know, Daddy Warbucks in the in the play Annie, uh, you know, I'm uh, sorry. So Paul Warburg was modeled after him, and you know, he said we should have a one world government. It's only a matter of through consent or conquest. And so they tried the World War One, World War Two route conquest beating you know beating people over the heads and realize that that didn't work and so now you need the consent and so what they're going to do is you know they're trying to make everybody poor they're getting everybody you know sucked in the government teat you know they're pushing people towards universal basic income the very first uh as part of the cares act the first 1200 hundred dollar payment in the first bill by the maxine waters version of the bill was actually supposed to be in a digital dollar. So like in a Fed coin was actually in the text of the first bill. And yeah. so I think that was just like a, a trial balloon that they were floating up to see what was going to be going on. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we, you basically are, you, you're a problem reaction solution where you, where the government's creating the problem. I mean, I'm sure it's not uh, any wild insight from, for your audience, you know, then they're waiting for the reaction. The reaction is people are going to be poor and begging for help. And then the help is going to come in through this, you know, central bank digital currency that, you know, they're going to give everybody a wallet and they're, they're probably going to start giving you a thousand bucks a month or $2,000 a month, or they're going to start social engineering people to say, 
hey, guess what? You know, uh, you know, your neighborhood is getting a thousand dollars a month, but your neighborhood doesn't get the thousand dollars a month until 80, 90 percent of you guys are vaccinated. And so then they people are going to see, oh, I've got, you know, eight thousand dollars waiting for me. But, you know, these five a-holes down the street won't get their vaccine. And then it's going to create like this division of people and that's actually a brookings institute plan was actually the 80 percent. so i mean these are the things that the think tanks are war gaming out right now uh and so they're gonna use you know they've got top level psychologists to try to figure out you know what's the best way way for people to basically enslave themselves and i'm and i know that the end game is going to be you know there's a lot of different ways that they can get there but the end game is going to be you know here we are we're the government we've got this fed coin you guys can take it it's going to be free it's going to help you out or maybe they crash the whole currency or the dollar loses reserve status and then they need to go reinstitute everything else into a great reset which you know if anyone who's read klaus schwab's great reset they have an entire chapter i think it's page 72 called the uh the fate of the u.s dollar and they talk about how the dollar being the world reserve currencies and extreme privilege and they, they've been talking about this you know even since the 70s about how it's an extreme privilege for the for the dollar and then now you see things like the digital dollar foundation that's basically run by the company extensure and a few other uh you know top level uh people and companies out there where they're war gaming out like how to bring out a central bank digital currency in the u.s and then to other countries and so you know they're going to use th this whole pandemic i mean in my opinion was basically a cover-up of the financial crimes going on and the you know and the financial meltdown that was really starting to occur going back well i mean it depends how far you want to go back and where you want to start the story but i mean you could go back to the repo markets breaking down in september of uh of 2019 you could go back to uh you know even in february i gave another talk at anarchapoco so i gave two talks at anarchapoco one was on uh crypto one was on the economy uh nailed them both but you know but i'd really recommend people watch the the even the economic one uh because a lot of the things that i said in there like, like happened like almost immediately and i had you know a, a, an investment thesis that played out that ended up working out at that point which i guess in case sec watches this you know past performance no indication future returns but you know that i did you know a pretty bang up job on that one and then uh you know basically i i can already see where things are going and where things are going is you're going to have a fed coin it's going to be tied into some mobile wallet then that's going to be used you know to basically you know buy sell i mean in italy right now you can't go in uh you know basically they've already proposed cutting off even self-employed people's ability to earn income unless you're vaccinated i mean like lithuania is doing things like that too you've got you know australia having huge lockdowns and so at least you know i mean i don't know what point it needs to get for americans to start like rising up like oh you know it's going to be at the point where you know like in italy where they're where you can't even work anymore unless you're vaccinated like is it does, do we have to go that far before people wake up and so i think once i think all this authoritarian push is actually going to is is even like making the case for things like monero even stronger and right now you know this still sounds like probably not to your crowd still sounds like conspiracy theory but you know to the average person out there this still might uh which at that point you know i, I just sort of want to hurry them up hey, oh yeah go get the vaccine and go you know kill yourself or whatever because you know obviously if you don't get it at this point you're too stupid i think to ever get it and uh on and i just see this huge push for authoritarianism and they're going to you know, once you marry AI into all this and they, you know, are really going to have you. And I, and I feel like that word is on this fast push for this and something like Monero, you know, really is an 800 pound gorilla in the privacy coin market right now. And, and so, you know, I advise that people, you know, have a portion in that right now while they still can, because, you know, at some point they're probably going to ban it, probably going to make it illegal. And, uh, 
and at that point it's so, you know gonna be game over yeah no so uh you you lay out um uh, unfortunately a very scary uh prediction of what the future may be but it, it seems to be moving in that direction by by every measure uh programmable cbds central bank digital currencies are, are happening right it's gonna happen mm-hmm. um but yeah so then how does that t- so me i'm all monero right uh i'm a i'm a big liberty guy i you know i see i found my monerotopia you know that that's where i'm i'm placing my bets uh i do think we're we're moving in this direction that you that you've laid out and I want to be able to always control my own money and use it as I wish without being censored, without being stopped, without anybody knowing how much Monero I have, how I'm using it, and without being able to confiscate it from me. Uh, but perhaps people find that a bit extreme. Um, but how do you then convey that to the average Joe as being a good investment? So maybe, maybe it's a good thing to do for idealistic liberty reasons, but do you also see it as potentially being a good investment? Like you mentioned the, the potential banning. So you do see this as, as putting positive pressure potentially on the price? Because some would say, oh, it's going to become you know, more difficult to get. It's going to become less liquid. There's going to be less on-ramps and off-ramps. And they're basically going to suffocate out Monero. You know, they're going to make it very difficult to use and, and own and get. And because of that, it's, it's going it's to dwindle in its, uh, basically its adoption. I mean, it's like just when they made alcohol illegal during prohibition. I mean, it didn't stop people from drinking. And then what it did is created a whole underground market, which then flourished. And I'm sure at that point, it cost even more money for people to get, you know, their booze and the price of booze went up and then created, you know, more of an incentive for people to start, you know, bootlegging it and and bringing it in through other means. And so I, I would expect the same thing to happen. And, you know, right around the time that I was, you know, graduating, I think New York State, you know, banned uh, this one drink called Four Loco, which, you know, is sort of disgusting, but it was like this like Red Bull sort of, uh, you know, it was like an energy drink slash beer and it tasted disgusting, but it was really, uh, you know, it was really, really powerful. And so what happened was a lot of people I knew at the time, like didn't care at all about Four Loco and all of a sudden they banned it and like everybody was just buying cases of it. And it might be like a stupid example to give, but it, it just shows you like the uh, people that didn't care about it all of a sudden were buying cases of it and hoarding it. And then it right. like became like a black market, I know, for, for luck of when I was, you know, probably 21 years old at the time. And uh, yeah, there's, there goes, you know, New York State banning things again, uh, like their North Korea up there. So that's why I had to move out of there as soon as I possibly could. But, you know, I do see it not only being because at a certain point, I mean, being able to eat and being able to have, you know, commerce and and i know that like within like the greater liberty community there's a lot of talk of you know people creating communities and people you know either going off grid or you know because when it gets to the point where you can't go to the grocery store unless you've got some sort of you know approved uh you know vaccine or you're you got, you got some green pass or some which you know this stuff sounds super far-fetched uh you know 10 years ago when i was talking about it but right about now it doesn't really seem that far-fetched when you have other countries actively already already implementing this stuff all around the world and so i mean it's it's a good hedge to have and and it really sort of depends like without giving investment advice it really sort of just depends what you know type of client i have like if it's you know an 80 year old lady who's just finding out about bitcoin for the first time you know obviously we're not going to be you know loading her up with like tons of crypto as a percentage of her portfolio versus if i have you know like a 30 year old who uh, you know, knows all about it and is, you know, that's all they do is research this stuff day in and day, 
day in and day out. And so, you know, there is a, you know, a gradual process where I'm not just, you know, trying to tell, you know, every single person they should have tons of Monero, but I do think it is going to be, you know, a, an important hedge and, you know, maybe none of this stuff comes to pass and, uh, and then you've got other assets as well that then go up as well. And, but, you know, I, I really, unfortunately think that a lot of the stuff is going to pass and we're already seeing it right now. Uh, and that governments and, you know, are always trying to get more and more dictatorial, uh, and, you know, they never want to give up any power that they do have. And so, you know, there's always this, you know, march for getting more and more power. And so, you know, I think that having something like Monero is going to be a good hedge against that. And, uh, it's, but, you know, but it does need to create like more of a community effect. I mean, obviously Monero has a big, you know, great community, but you know, it needs to be outside of your, you know, traditional people. So it needs to be like, like I do have 65 year olds that have Monero and 70 year olds that have Monero. Um, that you know we, we did tell them to buy i mean it might not be like gigantic percentages but at the same point if all this stuff happens and all these lockdowns happen and everything then you might not need a gigantic percentage for it to you know explode even higher or you know so no one no one has a crystal ball on how this is going to you know exactly shake out um but you know having privacy and, and then you mentioned the fungibility i mean they're going to start saying oh this coin this you know coin was used on the silk road you know 10 years ago so sorry you know every association and boom are taking your money now or i could see you know that stuff starting to happen uh you know especially once people have like already put their coins onto layer two uh you know through block through um you know lightning network and all of a sudden you know they don't really own their private keys anymore because they've got they've, they're doing crypto within these channels or they're doing uh you know owning bitcoin through different investment funds uh you know they're probably coming out with like a bitcoin ETF soon, but it's not even going to be uh, like, I would say like the good version of the ETF would be just an ETF where they just hold on to the Bitcoin. They're going to do like a futures version of the Bitcoin where they need to keep rolling over these futures contracts. And since the, you know, the SEC is control of basically, you know, me collecting a paycheck right now, I'm not going to, you know, call the current SEC chief a wolf in sheep's clothing. But, uh, you know, that guy, you know, it's just amazing you know, how much he's been lauded by the crypto community, but, you know, I don't really trust, trust him at all. And, uh, it, it's just amazing that, that that's the version of the ETF that they want, where it's, you're not even owning anything and you're just owning a futures contract of that. So then, but the thing is, there's like a lot of like extra costs in that if you have to keep rolling over futures contracts month after month after month. I mean, you're probably going to rack up. I mean, I don't even know cause it doesn't really exist, but I mean, you're, it's probably going to cost you 10, 15, 20% extra than if you just held on to the Bitcoin. But, you know, but Wall Street's going to get their futures product and, uh, but then, then it gets to, then it sort of brings, and I don't know if you want to talk about like, once you get to the point where, you know, you make a bunch of money, you had, or I'm sure you've had a lot of guests in the show that have done, you know, quite well with Monero and a lot of people listening with, to this have probably done quite well, that there are different strategies that people can use would probably be better suited for, uh, you know, something that's more like mainstream, like a, like Bitcoin or something that, you know, you're already on the, um, you're already like on the grid, so to speak, but you know, there are strategies out there where you can effectively like sell you, create different types of charitable trust, sell your crypto to those trusts. And now you get a step up in basis. So if your basis was, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> like a thousand dollars, now you've got a million. Well, now your new basis would now be a million dollars. You get a tax break for doing so. You can pay yourself and your spouse for the rest of your life off of that. And so depending on your age, you can take out a certain percentage. So 
you know, if you're 70, you might be able to take out 15%. I wouldn't really recommend taking out that much because, you know, in case the price drops and all of a sudden, you know, then you get into this cycle where it's hard to recover. But, you know, let's say you're taking out, you know, 8, 10% a year, you got a million bucks in there, you're getting, you're paying yourself, you know, a hundred grand a year off of that. Then your asset that's inside of there then doubles. And now you're paying yourself 10% of 2 million. So then you're getting $200,000 a year. And then there's ways now it can really get into the weeds in terms of like taxation and all this stuff. And, and uh, other things, but essentially, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the super powerful families out there, where they all have their charitable foundations, because their foundations are then paying them for the rest of their life. And then, upon, then when they're passing, then when they pass away, that money then goes to other foundations that your family can then control that then could, you know, fund things like, you know, Project Veritas, or could fund things like Learn the Risk to, uh, you know, against, you know, vaccine mandates and things like that and so to me you know i want to have the irs get as little as legally possible like i didn't make up the rules so you know if, if they don't if they have a problem with it then they shouldn't have put this stuff on the books but it really only kind of benefits you if you have like seven figure type returns or high six figure returns because it's not really meant for the guy that has ten thousand dollars of gains uh that's just you know how it was written and um you know because if you're taking out you know ten percent of you know a thousand dollars and you know, what's your, you know, hundred bucks a year going to do for you, you know, in terms of, you know, how, how this stuff works, but, you know, it can be incredibly powerful, particularly the older you are, uh, you know, so let's say, you know, now you can do it at 30, but you know, if you were, you know, 50 or 60, it makes the case even more. So, uh, you know, the more, uh, appreciated gains you have, the lower the cost basis, the better it is for somebody to do something like this. Uh, and then you can also use it if you wanted to then diversify into other assets and not get taxed uh while you're while inside that vehicle and it's just you know it can be something that can be you know phenomenal for somebody that that meets the you know sort of this is checks the right boxes and this is something you advise people on right this is something that you could walk people through yeah so i'm not a, a lawyer so i'm not the one like actually drafting this stuff but i sort of act as the quarterback because you know these no lawyers like really know about any of this stuff so i'm helping quarterback the whole thing in order to basically make sure that my client is in the best position possible for what they're trying to accomplish. And then there are ways to make sure, you know, if they have kids that their kids are taken care of and there's ways where they can get life insurance. It doesn't count as part of their estate. And and really within the next, you know, three months, there's going to be so many changes to this tax code for the worse, obviously. Um, you know, it would be a whole show just on, on all the stuff that they're proposing in, in terms of what's going to be going on, you know, in 2022. It's really going to make the, it's probably going to drive a lot more business to me because now, you know, the more you raise the taxes and the more incentive they have to do something like this. But, you know, especially for people that, you know, passed away, uh, you know, so someone has, you know, Bitcoin and they, you know, bought it on, you know, any one of these major exchanges and, you know, then the man is going to know that they have it. Uh, and, you know, if you're sitting on, you know, right now the estate tax is very very high it's like it's like 11.7 million dollars per person so basically it's you know over 23 million dollars for a married couple but i could see that going way down so then if you have that go way down while the rate goes way up and then your crypto then shoots way up it could create this like triple whammy where all of a sudden you know uh you know people are going to be you know potentially you know getting extorted for you know millions of, of dollars or having to live way below their means not in do things that you know would technically be illegal and just i'm say, saying this as a financial advisor i can't go and recommend people you know do other things that they want to go do but you know at a certain point though if you've all of a sudden you're worth like a hundred million dollars it gets very hard you know to say oh hey how'd you get that 
house that's a million multi-million dollar house how'd you get your lamborghini how'd you get this and that if you're not showing the corresponding you know income and so if you want to show an income there is a way through these charitable trusts where you get tax breaks it gets stepped up you get to pay yourself you're on the books and then uh so you can show you know where the income is coming in but there's massive tax breaks for doing something like that and so the the you know again i don't want to call them the elite but you know the ultra high net worth they can literally you know quote unquote give away their more more money and have more money than, than if they hadn't given away their money and so this is you know so the reason why i mean you guys think bill gates is the most charitable guy you know on earth or jim kramer or any of these other people i mean no it's just the tax law like if people knew this stuff i mean all these liberals who are talking about how great all these people are you know they'd want to have their heads but instead they get lauded at as heroes for giving away all their money when really they didn't give it all away, especially like in Bill Gates' case, you know, anything he does give away then goes to companies that then basically funds, you know, the programs that he wants to see succeed that then, you know, makes, you know, his vaccine stocks, you know, then, you know, soar in value. So, you know, he's, you know, basically using it as like a lobbying effort too. Uh, now the average person, you know, can't go do that because you're not Bill Gates and you're not Hillary Clinton and you're not, you know, so if you're, you know, there's certain things that they can do at their level and, and be sort of untouchable. But, you know, if you just want to say, hey, you know, here's some super low cost basis crypto, have it all get stepped up, um, then pay yourself, you know, a salary on the books. I mean, this is, you know, one of the ways to be able to do that. So some people, you know, they choose to keep it in crypto. Some people say, hey, I've already got 99.99% of my net worth in crypto. Let's just get a little bit that's not in crypto. So maybe if they want, you know, silver or gold or some sort of stocks, uh, you know, that certainly can be can be done as well. And then there's also crypto IRAs where you could have uh, a Roth IRA that is then, well, actually now Congress is now trying to ban like Roth IRA conversions or trying to ban how much they're trying to limit how much money can be in a Roth. They're trying there's all sorts of stuff that they're trying to do right now actively. Uh, actively, as I mentioned earlier in the show, trying to ban IRA LLCs. That's actually in the current text of, uh, I don't know, some big log number, but yeah, they're trying to ban that right now as well. Uh, it's not like one of these like sales taxes, like they're trying to ban it, come in right now. Like, no, they really are trying to ban it. Then at that point, you know, there's other routes that they can take. And so even if they do do that, we've got other sort of other ways sort of waiting in the wings uh, that we can do things um, to be able to get them. Now, probably if they ban it outright, IRA LCs, you're probably not going to be able to get Monero because a lot of the, you're, but you'll probably be able to get other types of crypto. Not that you guys really care about that on the Monero Talk Radio, but unfortunately, uh, Fortunately, you know, that's not really my call, like what Congress does um, in terms of, you know, banning things. But, you know, if, but with a Roth IRA, you get tax-free gains inside of there. You can trade tax-free. And so, you know, if you, you know, because, I mean, there's so much, you know, costs that are go out, you know, through trading. So personally, I don't really do a lot of trading. I just, you know, buy and hold because, you know, I don't really want to deal with a lot of the tax ramifications. But if I wanted to, I could use a Roth IRA to then do that. And I've had clients who bought Bitcoin at like $3,000 inside of Roth IRAs and, now that's all tax-free gains uh, and it really can and so there are things that people can do you know that are on the books right now i did mention the charitable remainder trust and if you know if anyone who wanted to learn more about that wanted to schedule with me at the libertyadvisor.com in the upper right hand corner there's a drop down that they can schedule with me and i believe there's some also um you know i think there's an early i think that if, they, if they wanted to text early adopter to Seven seven four four. You know, I'll I'll have to get you the number after this. But there's a couple of numbers that they could text, and then it would then give them some different lead magnets, or they can go on to uh, 
you know, I believe it's cryptoearlyadopter.com is one of the micro sites I have. You can also find that at the libertyadvisor.com on the uh, early early adopter section of there. And there's different lead magnets I have that, that actually gives out the, one of the presentations I gave at CryptoPoco uh, two years ago, which is you know very similar to the presentation I gave uh, that, that you had seen. And it's just, you know, information that not necessarily everybody is aware of. There's also economic opportunity zones that people can, you know, utilize as well. That's a whole nother, you know, topic that's out there. And so it's, you know, there's things that people just aren't aware of. And, you know, and people do have questions. People are worried about what things are going to look like. People, and, and ultimately, you know, people at this point, you know, they should have, you know, even more so than Monero, they should have food on them. They should have you know, water. I mean, I'm out in the desert, so you know, it's obviously very important to have, you know, water at my disposal. I think that they're going to do something to, you know, the power grid at some point or not. I mean, Klaus Schwab is talking about there's going to be, there's going to be a, a cyber pandemic that's going to make even the other pandemic look like nothing. And he's out there on video talking about that. And so, you know, if you don't have generators at this point, you don't have, you know, because it's great to have a bunch of Monero, but if you can't eat uh, or you don't have, you know, things to defend yourself, then it's not really going to matter. Um, and, and so who knows, you know, exactly how ma bad they're going to mess things up. But, you know, I think people should have privacy coins in their, uh, you know, in their, in their toolkit, of, and, you know, as one of the main, you know, sort of errors in their quiver, uh, because, you know, they're coming fast, uh, you know, they're not going to let up, they're only getting more authoritarianism. And, and to some degree, I sort of welcome all this authoritarianism, because it seemed like we needed to get all this out you know things needed to get bad before they can eventually get get better and you know and this has you know everything that's gone on the past year and a half has really woken up a lot of people unfortunately i think a lot of it will be too little too late or they think oh the answer is we just needed to vote harder we needed to get trump in there and then, then everything will be fixed and guess what it's not gonna be fixed he's not a crypto fan it's not gonna be fixed you know whoever is in there and so i am very bullish on the whole crypto as a whole you know, certainly with Monero being the, um, you know, the 800 pound gorilla when it comes to privacy coins, you know, I think people should have, you know, privacy coins as, you know, a decent chunk of their crypto uh, holdings. And then I, mean, I can't get into percentages for, you know, SEC type reasons, but, you know, it, it, it is something where, you know, it is a hedge against the tyranny that's going on. I think recently, like a week or two ago, Ken Griffin, who is the the head of uh, what is he head of like Citadel, like the the market maker for Robinhood, came out and said that Bitcoin was like a jihad on the dollar. And so, I mean, I guess to some degree, he's kind of right. But you know, now it's great to even seeing, I guess, like Wall Street getting involved and being then not wanting to be left out. And we're only seeing like this at like a very small degree. And so, as a financial advisor, like we have the ability to get crypto into people's accounts. However, like what about when all financial advisors have the ability to get crypto into accounts and, and it's not and they and then what about when they all start saying you should have one to three percent uh and then what then when they start learning about things like privacy coins and so it's that we're seeing i think like a very in the next few years even like a greater adoption in crypto as a whole but i think it's important that you know and, and you've been doing a great job of this but letting people know that you know there are privacy coins there's ways to do things the right way there's ways things to do it there well, there's lots of ways to do it the wrong way and uh and, it, and like, who knows what type of world we'll have by then so um like ron paul talking about monero or i think you had a, a rich rich dad poor dad uh, what's that guy's name robert kiyosaki is he talking about Monero yet? Like, why aren't we seeing some of these hardcore libertarians uh, talking about Monero in a more public way? 
you know, I don't know if he's specifically has talked about Monero or not. I do know, uh, like my friend Josh Segerson and World Eternal Media, like he, uh, you know, I remember t- him talking about him with, with Bitcoin, you know, years ago, and now he's on the Bitcoin um, bandwagon. Uh, and I know he's a big gold and silver guy as well, which, you know, you'd think that that would um, be sort of a natural lead into Monero. But I don't think I've ever seen Kiyosaki. I don't pay attention to everything he does. I know recently he came out, so there's going to be a huge market crash some, sometime in October. And it's, you know, generated a bunch of questions my way because of that. But, you know, I think at some point he's kind of grandstanding. Like nobody knows, oh, there's definitely going to be a crash this October. And usually when everyone said there's definitely going to be, a, I mean, there are a lot of factors where, you know, the crash could have happened anytime, you know, the last 10 years from now uh till now but you know and there's the whole china situation with you know their large retailer evergrande going out so who knows uh but yeah i don't know if kiyosaki is on board with it or not um i know like josh has definitely talked with him about it before and it seemed like he'd be receptive to it but uh yeah i don't know if he specifically has has mentioned it before in his videos yeah i'd be curious to see when we start to see those guys talking about it so in terms of uh you brought up some good points like people you know, that, that may already own a lot of crypto, may already own a lot of Monero, uh, especially if we're continuing in this potentially bull market, right? We're talking about whatever Bitcoin hitting a hundred grand or something and Monero hitting a thousand dollars that people might want to start thinking about also how to potentially diversify or use their crypto, kind of bring it back into the mainstream. So you're talking about some interesting ways of doing that. How about, uh, Moving to Puerto Rico, establishing residency in Puerto Rico. I heard you talking about that during your talk. Uh, that's one of the ones that I'm actually beginning to look at. would like to hear your thoughts on that. For me, I'm trying to understand, I, I haven't really looked into it deep enough, um, where your cost, when your cost basis actually starts. So it seems like the, the real advantage would be with the capital gains tax, obviously, right? So moving there, you, there's, there's no capital gains tax, but it's at, from the date at which I guess you, depending on when you acquired the crypto and when you're uh, uh, obtaining the gain, it has to be that the gain is obtained, I guess, when you're already a resident of Puerto Rico. So it's like if you wait to Monero, hits a thousand dollars, this bull run, and then you run down and move to Puerto Rico, you're not really going to really see much, much of a advantage there. Is that correct? Yeah, I think you just hit the nail right in the head over there with that. Because a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to go move to Puerto Rico and then I'm just going to sell everything and then get out of tax. It's really beneficial to someone that has a business. So especially if you had a crypto business that's around this and let's say your business is worth a million dollars and then you move there and, and you, you know, explode the value of your business and now it's worth, you know, $10 million. Then at that point, you know, the, the gain from, you know, the one to the 10, uh, you know, could potentially be tax free if, you know, or very, very minimal tax if you set things up right. Again, I'm not a lawyer, uh, especially on Puerto Rico law. So you know, for when it comes to Act 20 and Act 22, you know, people would want to, you know, actually consult with a lawyer in case, you know, the SEC ends up seeing this. Because we are going through SEC registration right now, so I need to be, you know, extra careful, you know, I guess what we're saying. But uh, but let's say, you know, you were in, you had Bitcoin for, you know, 10 years. And again, you know, Bitcoin has, you know, been around longer than Monero. So, you know, I'll use that example. So it's been, you had it for 10 years and you've been rocking and rolling and then you moved to Puerto Rico and now it's at, you know, let's say it's at $55,000. And, you know, basically it's your gain for 55,000. Now, if it goes up to a million, which, you know, I think at some point it will go up to infinity, but, you know, it goes up to a million, uh, then, you know, it's still pretty good that, you know, from 55 to a million would then be on, you know, deemed to be, you know, in Puerto Rico, but they also have a pro rata rule. So if you're there for 10 years, 
and then sorry you held on to bitcoin for 10 years then you moved to puerto rico and then you're in puerto rico for another 10 years then at that point it's the it's would be like 50 percent of your uh portfolio would be deemed to have basically been generated from puerto rico and, and who knows 10 years from now it might be at a million dollars anyway so it might be the you know same deal but you know, it's better if you, you know, you bought, you know, a shit coin or something, you know, early on. See, look, it even beat me out right when I was doing that. That was you know, amazing. There's I heard a background beep, as I said, shit coin. But, you know, but if you bought a coin that you only held on to for like three months and it went up, you know, thousands of percent and then you moved to Puerto Rico, well, then, you know, you wouldn't have to be there for 10 years or something to have most of the gains, you know, predicated from coming there. So, you know, if you have something they've held on to like very short term, it could make the case. Uh, it's more so like businesses, though, like that's where you'd really get the. Uh, you know, so, so for anyone that has a, a business where you can, you know, basically run it from a laptop you know, moving down there and, and getting set up as, you know, in part as part of Act 20 and Act 22, you know, could be very beneficial. I was thinking about doing that right around, uh, you know, the end of March 2020. And then when they started shutting everything down, I started realizing, you know, I've got my kids uh, out over here on the West Coast. So, you know, it'd be very hard to you know, travel back and forth if I have to go underneath like 14 day quarantines and stuff to be able to see my kids. And so there was that consideration, um, you know, it was actually, you know, a, a very main consideration. So, you know, for me, I'd rather, you know, pay more taxes if I had to see, than not be able to see my kids, obviously. So, um, you know, as much as I do hate the government, but, you know, I just do not hate, you know, I just don't want them pissing away all my money. So, yeah. So, so yeah, supporter isn't quite, it, it's mainly like if you've got an idea and you think it's, it's really going to explode, you either want to be in an economic opportunity zone, you either want to do it with inside of your IRA, which now they're probably going to ban you from doing that anyways, or you're going to, or you, you know, you're in Puerto Rico ahead of time. But, you know, the thing is you really want to do it ahead of time. Uh, like you can, you know, be already crypto rich and then move down there. And, and, you know, there are some ways where it could still benefit you, but it's going to benefit you a lot more if you start planning things ahead of time than if you, you know, go down there and certainly don't sell your Bitcoin or, or Monero and then do something because uh, then there's like very few options you can do, but there's things you can do ahead of time and like only a couple things you can do after the fact. And sometimes those aren't as easy to do or even going to really like apply for your situation. Yeah. So, you know, do, do your own research, guys. Do your own research. Yeah. But these are things you're going to want to start to. And the laws are always changing. So, you know, who knows? So that'd be another thing I'd be suspect is if they actually do honor and grandfather people that if they don't, you know, because things are getting more totalitarian. It's like, oh, yeah, they said that they would honor this till whatever year, 20, 40, whatever. But, you know, will they really? Uh, and then do you want to be the, you know, the rich white guy down there when, you know, civilization collapses and they see, you know, a rich crypto village uh, over there in the distance and, and you know, and, and your guys' power is all still on while the rest of the, you know, the place is no more power and there's no more food and you're trapped on an island you know so there's those sort of considerations with the whole pandemic that you know maybe wasn't a consideration three years ago but now would be a stronger consideration today there's, there's nowhere to run there's nowhere to hide just just hold monero yeah uh, so. <laughs> how about the, the uh taxes in general right so you know you got to pay your taxes uh it, it's you don't want to be going to jail. That's 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 a lose, you know, a losing situation. But obviously, people want to reduce taxes as much as possible. We touched on it, um, but we're seeing ideas being thrown around about potentially uh, taxing unrealized gains. Right? Uh, I don't know if that's something that would ever become become true. But just the fact that it's being spoken about, uh, I'm opening up people's eyes. 
Do you think that's something that alerts people to something like Monero, right? So unrealized uh, capital gains in Monero land versus Bitcoin land, you know, where you could effectively see how much Bitcoin everybody has, you know, when they're, you know, whether or not they still have it, whether or not, you know, when they spend it, where they send it. Um, Government's talking about potentially taxing unrealized gains. Does that, you think, alert people to things like Monero, where, you know, maybe they lost their Monero in a boating accident? no, you know, you, you got, you, you know, this is, a, this is a touchy subject. Um, cause I don't, you know, you're an idiot if you don't go, if you don't pay your taxes and then, you know, you're, you're dealing with that, you're going to lose, you're going to lose. But, um, you know, you also want to maybe start using the technology that gives you the best potential advantage to where you can protect your own money and, you know, they can't come and take it away from you at a whim. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on things like that. Okay. First off, actually, I did lose some of my Monero that's on, uh, that was tied in from like a ledger wall, but I still have like all the passwords and everything, but for some reason I it's, can't open it up. So if someone from Monero land wants to help me out with that, I, I feel like I, I can get it back. I just have not had the, uh, you like, lost it where you're saying you lost like, it. in like my, I tried using like the, like the ledger, like where you use like the Monero wallet to download from Monero.org and then you could tie it into like a ledger. And so it's, it's somehow like between like the ledger and, and trying to get it off of there, I've been having problems. So, I, so in case they, you know, so I really, I guess, did lose, you know, some of it right now. So in case they want to, you know, maybe they, maybe they come help me go get it. I don't know, but uh, it's, I feel like, you know, eventually I'll go and if I just spend enough time, I could probably figure it out. But you know, I tried screwing around with it for a tiny bit and couldn't. But yeah, they're <laughs> to issue an unrealized capital gains tax on that on that Monero that you have there that's that's in the ether that you can't even really get your hands on I'm, I'm sure yeah we'll tell them but what, what is your what is your take on that well I guess in this case instead of losing it in a boating accident I guess a lot of people just lost it in a voting accident by uh <laughs> but anyway so it was a bad bad dad joke over here but uh I mean yeah this I can see the unrealized capital gains passing for people that have passed away I don't really think that they'll implement it for, you know, at least in the beginning on people. Uh, but the thing is, if they can, they will. And so, you know, can they, I mean, it'd be a lot easier for them to do it, you know, on the blockchain where everything is right there laid out for them than doing it obviously on something like Monero. And uh, and that's just going to create like another use case for this. And I do see, you know, it just at that point becomes like, what timetable are they looking at? You know, is it going to be like, hey, you know, everything up until January, 2022, and then we're going to, you know, have you guys have a reprieve because imagine if every single person then all of a sudden needs to pay tax on all their unrealized, you know, stocks. I mean, and also, I mean, I mean, basically, if you had to go sell, let's say, 30, 40 percent of your stocks to go cover the, the tax on it. Uh, I mean, at that point, that's going to that would then, you know, think that the stock market would have to go down probably by even more than that. You know, so, I mean, if you've got, you know, you're sitting on a thousand shares of XYZ stock and all of a sudden you're up massively and you live in California and you're paying 13% tax and the federal taxes, they want to jack it up to like 39.6, but it's not really 39.6 because they have an extra Obamacare tax on this. And they're also talking about having, if you sell over a million dollars, then, or your income is over a million. So you're selling a million dollars worth of Monero or on, or, you know, what, or any type of crypto or asset, 
Now they're talking about having your capital gains rate be your income rate. So your income rate would then be, let's call it 40, like 39.6 plus the Obamacare tax. So you're really at like 43, 44. Plus, if you live in California, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 55, 60% of your income just being taken right off the bat. And then, so then you then have to then sell a stock to then make up for that. And so then you're losing half your portfolio. And then you, you would think that, 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 that way, then you'd have to see a corresponding about 50% drop in the stock market and that, or any pretty much market that's out there. Uh, and it would just be catastrophic and maybe they, they want to make it catastrophic. So then that way they make everybody poor and it just tanks everything. The dollar loses reserve status. And, Oh, look at this. We got, uh, you know, what economist magazine was calling, you know, fed coin back in May. And I do have like the, the cover over there where for those who don't know, like back in May, the economist magazine had uh, a cover where it said fed coin on it, which was, you know, sort of like a uh, throwback to their 1987 version where it had, you know, basically what looked like Bitcoin rising out of the ashes saying, you know, is the world ready for one world currency? And so they want to, uh, you know, maybe if they're trying to make everybody poor and have a great reset, you know, that'd be a great way to do that and say, oh, you know, we just had a policy error and we thought it was going to bring in all this money. Um, but, you know, I think there's basically a, this whole controlled demolition of everything that's going on right now. And certainly if you have an asset that they, you know, that there's probably no easier asset to track someone's, uh, you know, gains on than Bitcoin, whereas Monero would be, you know, infinitely harder. And it was almost seemed like it was uh, insulting that the IRS came up with whatever, uh, bounty they had to crack Monero. I forgot what it was. You, you, you guys probably, it was like a half million dollar bounty or $600,000 or 125. It was something really low. Like, like, if you take a look at the, the grand scheme of things, it seemed like it was almost like an insultingly low, uh, bounty that they were going to give for somebody to, you know, hack Monero or whatever they wanted to do to it. Uh, I forgot the, the exact number, but whatever it was, I remember looking at that, like, like really, how much was it? I think it was 625,000. I could be wrong, but it was something like yeah, which seems very insultingly low compared to what they would get out of it. Uh, you know, if they were able to destroy, you know, the biggest privacy coin out there, you think it, you think it'd be worth a lot more to the government than six hundred thousand uh, know, dollars. So, well, now the government is is using Monero themselves. I don't know if you saw the news yesterday. Uh, there was a U.S. Uh, nuclear engineer that's being accused of essentially selling. Um, top secret information regarding nuclear submarines to, um, I guess, another another state, uh, another state actor, and uh, the FBI caught 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 him and basically they like, caught him in the act by agreeing to send him Monero in exchange for. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't hear about the Monero part, but I did uh, like briefly. You know, I just sort of read the I read the headline about the other uh, nuclear secrets, and I was. I was immediately thinking, well, his problem is he didn't run it through like the Clinton Foundation first or something because, you know, they got caught giving away, you know, missile secrets to the Chinese and North Koreans and no one cared about that. And it just seemed like also like a lot. I mean, it was probably all set up by the FBI and every side of the equation to begin with, just like when they had the um, what was it? The thing that happened, it was like I think it was like May 7th is when they had the uh, the uh, colonial pipeline attack and like, oh, guess what? And then all the headlines were the government just hacked Bitcoin because they're able to get the Bitcoin back. Like, oh, because the hacker used basically a US-based exchange and then put his address as a US exchange and then they just subpoenaed the exchange and took the Bitcoin that way. But everyone read it as, I mean, obviously not the people listening to this right now, but people read it as, oh, Bitcoin just got hacked. 
but it's like, no, Bitcoin didn't get hacked. That it was probably the government setting up the whole thing to begin with, and then using like no hacker would use a custodian. It'd be like someone's like, oh yeah, transfer my Monero and put it on you know a Kraken wallet or something. You know, so I'm sure surprised that wasn't the next story that uh, you know they were able to you know see someone's you know Monero back because they used a custodial place. Nothing against Kraken. I just know that's one of the places you can get it. So but yeah, FBI sent, I think it was a hundred thousand worth of Monero they sent. They they were asking ultimately for five million dollars worth of Monero over the course of time if they kept you know giving out feeding them. Yeah. So interesting to see though FBI oh, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah teaching me something yeah. As, as Monero. So uh the, the US government holds and uses Monero as uh, as of uh two days ago. Um yeah. Go ahead. I, I threw you off track there, but go ahead. Continue where you were. I'm. I'm. It's still eight in the morning here, or I guess it's nine in the morning now. So I'm. I'm just off track right from right from the get go on this uh, Columbus Day, Indigenous Peoples Day over here. So I have, you know, it's a free for all. Whatever you guys want to talk about, but yeah, I, uh, hey, what was it? Oh yeah, I was talking about how the uh, the government had that whole hacking of Bitcoin and and you know, and so I even had even some of my clients were like, oh my god, the government hacked Bitcoin, and so. You know, of course, you had that, and then the Elon Musk thing. You know, and then you had China banning it for the tenth or eleventh time, like pretty much all happening on the same week. And so, to me, I mean, the fact that the crypto markets can still be this elevated, uh, you know, despite all these, you know, different attacks that have been thrown at it, you know, to me is like even a better sign. Actually, you know, see Bitcoin's at almost uh, it's fifty-seven thousand five ninety right now. I know we're on a Monero show, but I just opened up my computer, but oh, that's. Do you pretty- think Bitcoin? Um- will act as a store of value when inevitably you know the the stock market and other assets start to start to go down i mean we're going to see we're going to see a crash at some point right so we, we say you know uh, crypto is acting as a store of value bitcoin monero potentially store of value um but if we actually saw a market crash um you know traditionally you know gold may may hold value whereas other assets don't do you think at that moment bitcoin still still holds value or it just goes down with the rest of the market now i'm gonna give the same answer i gave in february of 2020 at the all speakers uh when they had us at the tdv summit and they had everyone on stage and i gave this answer uh i think it was like probably like february 15th 2020 and basically got booed off stage but you know what i said back then was well i thought bitcoin being a risk asset now, at a certain point, it will it will bifurcate and it won't really matter. And that will be when things really kick off. I don't know if we're quite there yet, but I was fairly confident back in 2020 we weren't there yet. And my thesis was that I said on stage was I thought that, you know, Bitcoin being a risk asset, let's say the stock market's down 50%, then I would expect Bitcoin to be down 80%. But then the Federal Reserve would then go into overdrive, printing a bunch of money, and they'd print trillions of dollars. I think they even said like they print like $5 trillion, and then who knows, then it goes up to like $50,000. Now this is back now again this is like bitcoin was you know nowhere near fifty thousand dollars when i said that and uh i think it was like closer to like uh probably like seven thousand dollars or something when when i was talking about this i don't know the exact point it was at uh but what we saw was within a month and a half the whole pandemic kicked off and bitcoin was down right around 80 percent then the federal reserve printed trillions of dollars and then it got up to over fifty thousand actually got up over sixty thousand um and so that whole prediction so i was basically booed off stage for that type of answer because no one wanted to hear that at a crypto anarchist conference but you know it's it it takes a tiny bit of selling pressure to have to really tank the market i mean what 
and we know that the government has you know bitcoin but what what it you know how much does it take for them to go oh here's you know a couple billion dollars we throw on you know at market price we don't care what the market is we just want to tank it and then that creates like a you know a sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy but then then the fed prints a bunch of money and then it goes right back up and people then got to buy their bitcoin and crypto on sale uh you know is how people should look at that and so I think that we're still going to see it, you know, correlated again with the market, even if it's even if the people want to keep holding on to it, that could be the government's trying to do things to it. But eventually one of these times is going to, to separate. I think you have it depends is if they also then usher out like a Fed coin at the same point, then that could change the trajectory of my answer. So if it happens tomorrow, I think it would go down 80 percent. If it happens two years from now, there's a Fed coin waiting in the wings and it might be a different answer. Um, but ultimately i think it's going up i think you know i mean if we're talking about bitcoin i think it's gonna be going up over a million dollars ultimately on a long enough time horizon when the dollar loses reserve currency status so you know whether or not in that exact moment it goes down uh you know i think in you know if they're trying to hold on to the person if they're trying to hold on to store value like gold would be better i think in the short run during a, an absolute crash but then it might be better if you have a bunch of gold to then at that point sell your gold and buy more monero and buy more <laughs> buy more crypto if they attack it um so i'm not negative on the crypto space and i still think you know the trajectory of crypto and in, in general is going to be way more than gold and will probably surpass gold at some point but in the absolute collapse you know bitcoin is a riskier asset and so people will, will then panic and they will do what they what happened uh you know the last time uh but you know no one has a crystal ball and if and either way i'm not selling so i don't care so if they you know if it goes down and then now all of a sudden i almost kind of hope it goes down because it'll be the first time i'm actually making real money that can then like pour in even more of it so i sort of hope it does because the last time it really went down i lost my job so i couldn't you know pour anything into it and actually had to spend most of it so um so yeah so i sort of yeah so to me i mean no one really knows but i think it will you're sort a, of you're a true believer when you're rooting for a crash I, i've always yeah i'm always rooting for uh you know crypto to go down monero to go down because you know obviously i, I like to see it go up when others are going up because it shows it's, it's it's working and gaining it gaining adoption and people like it but yeah if, if you if you truly believe in it then you just want to be in a position where you could acquire as much of it as you can yeah and most of the and i did do like a crypto wealth show for you know a little bit for about a year or two and and i did that started it right after it crashed because i'm like you know what if you can't be here when you know when it's down touting it and like i don't want to like anyone can go tout it on cnbc when it's you know fifty sixty thousand dollars but you know try touting it when it's down 80 85 you know you know it's not very easy at that point um but you know and unfortunately everyone comes to me you know especially for like crypto iras and things when the price is already through the roof like no one like no one wants it when it's at like when Bitcoin's at like three thousand dollars or Monero's at you know seventy dollars. You know no one wants anything to do with it. And then all of a sudden you know it goes you know through the roof. And then um, and then all of a sudden everyone's beating down your doors. And so unfortunately that's you know that's just human nature that you know no one wants to buy these things on sale. Besides I guess you know the true believers and the very small percentage of us that sort of knows the game. But it seems like everyone else just wants. Yeah. To get the worst price possible and and only get in during manias unfortunately but you know that's just the case with everything yeah that's why we get rewarded handsomely when it when it doesn't right we took we took the risk and we got in when when nobody wanted to get in um so what is your current 
I, I guess you don't want to tell exact numbers, but given where we're at, where crypto's currently at, where the stock market's at, you know, what is your current portfolio? Like what type of things are you currently holding and percentage wise, um, given where you think things are headed? I mean, like personally, I have very little stocks. Uh, I mean, almost everything I, I have new going in is almost only going into crypto, but I do have, you know, legacy clients and clients who are older where I do have, uh, you know, more traditional type assets for them and then also have, so I try figuring out for like those clients and I feel like I'm about to sneeze over here, but I feel like for those clients, I'm trying to figure out ways to get them income. Oh man, every time I feel like I'm about to let it go with the sneeze and then all of a sudden it goes away. But uh, like for those clients, I've tried having like a way to get them income and then, <laughs> Good. Just had to had to get that out of there. So you know, once uh, so if, so if the clients you know seventy, eighty years old, finding a way to get them income, and then okay, they already have all their income taken care of. Then we can do more you know riskier things because they already have their income taken care of. And that's sort of the you know the approach that I have is that I have you know income coming in, then the extra income that I have, I'm I'm then throwing that into uh, you know different types of cryptos. And I do have you know probably Bitcoin is the majority of it but i'm not also not a maximalist and i also you know battle up against guys like you know tone bays and was on something with max kaiser and trying to push back against those guys um been there done that but yeah i mean see how fruitful that is but but i I also do recognize that with bitcoin being the 800 pound gorilla in the room that it and sort of being like the foundation of a fed coin that there is that i think from a pure investment standpoint that that one, you know, does have some use case, but, you know, you need to be careful with it. You need to know that, you know, the, the lightning network, in my opinion, is a giant Trojan horse. Uh, you know, people should probably just be running their own nodes on there. And, and obviously most people aren't doing that, but, you know, I think it also is good to take some flyers. And again, I can't really give percentages because of, you know, the SEC and all the, you know, legalese that I'm sort of involved in, but I do have, you know, a big chunk that I think is dedicated towards privacy coins. I have another chunk that I think is dedicated more towards like operating smart contract systems as well. So that'd be like your Ethereum, but I sort of more treat like Ethereum more as like a hot potato that, you know, if they don't get their act together that, you know, there's lots of competitors waiting in their wings. Uh, But I don't think that, you know, but what Ethereum is doing versus what Bitcoin is doing versus what Monero is doing are all sort of separate things. Uh, And so Monero is the 800 pound gorilla. And when it comes to the privacy portion of someone's portfolio, which is, you know, a decent chunk of the portfolio, I then, you know, have Monero being more of that. And then I, you know, without throwing in some, it seems like there's very tribalism when, and again, I'm not like rich off, off pirate chain or anything, but you know, it seems like they're starting to develop a community and it seems like a lot of those guys like Monero too. So I don't necessarily think it has to be like a, you know, ones at each other's throats, but um, you know, I think, you know, having some of the privacy coins makes sense. Monero is the one that's in the catbird seat that I have the most of and recommend people have the most of for that. Um, but then, you know, Bitcoin in general, you know, there's, you know, I think use cases for that in terms of on a long run, I think it's going to be the best storable. You asked before about, you know, will it be digital gold, uh, you know, in a crash. So I don't necessarily know if it's going to hold up in a crash, but then when we print a bunch of money with that, we, what the Fed does, then I think it's, you know, that the trajectory is way up and to the right, you know, meaning it's going to be going up a lot, but it's going to have, you know, a big yo-yo effect and people just have to have strong hands for this. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a maximalist on any one of these. So, you know, I do have, you know, quite a few different cryptos in the portfolio, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm also, I feel like I'm also my own worst enemy because I'm 
more spending more time doing things for other people and other people's portfolios than even I am doing my own, which is why I haven't you know figured out how to get the Monero off of the uh, the ledger that's somehow stuck in there because I'm always like you know troubleshooting other people's problems usually or or not necessarily problems but you know dealing with their portfolios and then so it's sort of like the uh, shoe shine you know uh, what is it like the uh, shoemaker's son who gets you know worked on last so I'm you know working on myself my own stuff last and always working on other people's stuff. Uh, but yeah, I forgot what the question was now, but yeah, in terms of percentages, you know, I do have Monero as a decent percentage of the portfolio and I've, you know, I've walked through tutorials and clients and how they can go and, and buy that. And, uh, and obviously depending on how savvy they are and how much they know about crypto will sort of kind of dictate that, that type of answer. And I'm also a big fan of the, of edge wallet as well with, uh, Paul Puig, cause I feel like that makes, they make it like very easy to do um and so pe- people are just getting into crypto or just getting into monero uh you know trying to have them go and download a wallet and do all this other stuff and keep on their computer might be too much but if they have if they're able to kind of like see how it works on their phone through through edge and then they can then they can progress and get more advanced through there uh, i've got nothing to do with edge i just think that, that from like a ease of use and the fact that it has other cryptos on there as well uh, and I see you got Cake Wallet down there too. I'm sure that's yeah, Cake. Uh, Edge, Edge is good too. I met the Edge guy. Maybe we'll have him on the show. Cake is, you know, the, it was the first iOS wallet open source, uh, and they're just really aligned with the ideals of the Monero community. Vic, the guy mm-hmm. who runs it, is a Monero guy. Uh, you know, first and foremost, he's he's added Bitcoin and Litecoin to the wallet, and. Uh, He's done a lot of things, uh, making it more usable. It's, it's super user friendly, uh, easy to get. You know, once you said it, like it's, it's just an easy way, right? Like as opposed to telling people to go download the GUI or the client, it's just you download Cake Wallet, and now you could even you could even essentially a piece of cake yeah. through through the wallet. So, but yeah, Edge Edge as well. I mean, whatever it takes, just just get your hands on some Monero. So, yeah, we'll have the Edge guy on here too. I think at some point. He's very, very, he's incredibly knowledgeable on a wide array of things. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, and he does, you know, advertise Monero is one of the top ones. Like on, if you, you know, go to look at their edge wallet, it's, Monero is one of the top ones that they're trying to pimp and highlight on there. Yeah, which is awesome. Do you, have you ever used Cake Wallet or you just uh, use that? No, I'm actually on the website right now, uh, trying, trying to read more about it. Uh, I'm not reading too much because I'm in the interview right now, but I'm, I did just pull it up right now to, uh, I know like Rafael Laverde was also talking about one that was like Monerujo or something like that. Like he's talked about that in the past. That was an Android wallet. So Cake is now iOS and Android. Monerujo is, is just purely Android. Also a great, great wallet, great project, like really, truly uh, open source and aligned with the Monero community. So, you know, we, we talk about those two a lot. Um, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah. Now, now, can you get monero in the wallet or is that so i know like with edge you can then take other assets and then you know shapeshift it into into monero yeah there's an exchange so change now is built into cake wallet okay exchange essentially any crypto into monero and what's nice is it goes right into your monero wallet so you're not holding it on the exchange it's just it's an ex- an instant exchange built yeah. into the app so then you hold your own hold your own keys at all times and I could see them being kind of one of the first uh, to integrate something like Atomic Swaps. I don't know if you've been following that, yeah. those developments at all, but now you can you could Atomic Swap right now between Bitcoin and Monero. It's just 
not user friendly yet, but uh, hopefully we'll see something like that integrated into Cake itself, where people essentially, in the most decentralized way possible, convert between Bitcoin and Monero in a completely untraceable, decentralized way. So hoping to see that eventually develop. Well, until the six hundred thousand dollar bounty ends up, you know, catching everybody. So you know. oh, yeah. then we're all screwed. Then we're all screwed. We'll, we'll see what happens with this. Um, you know, this re- recent news of 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 yesterday, the U.S. nuclear engineer. That's uh, you know, they, in in the article itself, they they there was a little blurb about how you know Monero was used, and you know, regulators may start looking at at these. <laughs> For these I remember, like even recently, I was on a podcast, even saying, and I'm sure they're going to use Monero, and that's going to be the next big false flag thing. And surprised they didn't use that for the, you know, JBS, you know, uh, you know, meat attack and the Colonial Pipeline attack that, you know, shut down, you know, a lot of the East Coast, you know, pipeline. And and I was actually telling somebody, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't use Monero for that, uh, to then bastardize that. And so I guess here we go, you know, that just predicting my own rea- my own reality. It was like within them. I know it was within the past month. I even made that comment like that, that they're probably gonna have some false flag and then who knows they'll have some hacker bring down the grid and they'll demand payment in monero and then uh you know then it'll be on everybody's radar which then at that point could be you know the best free advertising possible for monero but uh but yeah when i quickly glanced an article on the uh and i was watching my kids so i wasn't like i was wasn't like fully diving into the article but i didn't see the monero aspect of it but that's just too funny that uh you know, because when they, when they start bringing out, you know, the, the big guns like Monero, then it makes me think of, you know, a false flag or there's or the FBI set up the whole thing to begin with, like they usually do like 99 percent of the time anyways. But uh, but yeah, whether it was legit or not in terms of, you know, setup or or, or whatnot, um, you know, I guess you play stupid games, win stupid prizes and, you know, shouldn't be, I guess, selling missile secrets, uh, you know, so. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, that's, that's not a good thing, you know. We're not yeah, that, but we're saying yeah, know, definitely not promoting that. Yeah, attack the tool, you know. Don't attack the this uh, beautiful open source project that's being used for people to, uh, you know, hold their own hold their own wealth and tr- and transfer it at will in a free speech way. So don't attack that. That that's a good thing. We want yeah. That. Um. So who do you who do you, who do you advise on, you know, considering hiring somebody like yourself or maybe somebody else? Like who should be looking into hiring a financial advisor? Well, certainly that we talked about the early adopter type people who are, you know, they already have massive gains and maybe they're looking to, you know, create an income stream that's on the books and then do so where, you know, it is, you know, at a step up basis and getting tax breaks or looking to diversify some of those assets. Or, you know, the person that's looking to, you know, they have an, an old IRA or 401k, maybe they have half a million dollars, they, they they might be 60 years old, they were already in the legacy system. And so I don't necessarily advise people, you know, get into the legacy system. But, you know, the fact of the matter is there's already trillions of dollars into the legacy system. So if you, you know, you're watching this and you're 50 years old and you've got, you know, a big 401k or IRA and you want to figure out what to do with it, you know, there are ways where you can get crypto into your IRA where you hold on to the private keys and then you know, you can even do things like you probably you this is not like a sales tactic, but you probably pretty much have between now and the end of the year to be able to do a Roth conversion. So, you know, one of the things I was looking at is back in 2017, people were telling me, hey, I cashed out my IRA. I had, I had 100 grand. I cashed it out. I bought Bitcoin. And and basically what they could have done is they could have avoided a 10 percent penalty. They, if they're already going to pay the tax anyways, they could have then converted it to a Roth IRA, and then now all their gains would be tax-free. So I didn't have uh, an example where someone that bought it January of uh, 
it's funny because after like i feel like a uh, echo so maybe the the powers that be are like no they're talking about too much freedom we gotta jam the airwaves and hear himself in his, in his head right now because i'm everything i'm saying is going playing back into me but i think what's going i think what's going on with with uh i'm sorry hard for me to think right now because it's everything i'm saying is going playing right back to me right now but uh Okay, it's better now. So, so with the crypto IRA, I'm like, all right, if you're already going to be paying taxes and you're already going to be, you know, basically no worse off than you were anyways, you could you could convert your IRA to a Roth IRA, have the actual private keys. So, you know, because people are trying to say like, oh, well, you know, if the government just says, you know, you know, doing this is illegal, or if we confiscate your IRA, well, you can't confiscate confiscate an IRA if you don't have the private keys to it. And so, this is sort of an end run around that. However, it does look like that there is a 50-50 chance that they're not going to allow that anymore. Uh, and it sounds like the Roth conversion probably is not going to be allowed after January. That one seems like it's more of a definite case. So some of this stuff is like you need to contact me like immediately if you think I'm doing a Roth conversion. Like not – it's not – I have more business I can handle right now, but if you – it's not like a sales tactic, but like, it, like you can just duck, duck, go or – you know, pre-search or, you know, search engine, those terms, Roth IRA conversion, you can see how they're trying to end that stuff right now. And so I did an example where it was like January 1st, January 1st, 20, January 1st, 2017, January 1st, 2018. And all the numbers right in front of me, but it was something like the person had a hundred grand and then did a, and then a year later, they had about $890,000 of Bitcoin. But the person that did, uh, the person that did a, uh, I now got my daughter's yelling. So I took off the headphones. Like, <laughs> like both ways I'm screwed. So then I had the Roth IRA conversion and I believe it was like almost 1.1 million. It was like 1 million, 93,000. Uh, so, but that was all tax free gain. And so for me, you know, having, let's call it rounding up to $1.1 million tax free gain versus having an $800,000 gain that would then be taxable. I'd rather pay less taxes have the in, in that case no taxes on the appreciation up and so then that started be down the road of, of doing self-directed IRAs so people that want to diversify their you know IRA legacy investments people that you know want more of like a red pilled awakened financial advisor maybe it's not you guys maybe it's not the people who are watching this but maybe you guys have a friend or you have parents who are like just starting to wake up about this stuff and you know and they've got you know all their money with some 65 year old financial advisor that you know rolls his eyes at crypto and doesn't have any percentage in there uh you know because even when it comes to the regular you know side of things you know we did you know and i did mention this on my anarchapoco talk is that i bought put options against the s p 500 uh, in January of 2020. And so basically what that meant is when everything went down in, you know, March, April, 2020, that our clients were protected from that. So even on the legacy side of things, you know, there's things that we can do for them on that side. Um, but yeah, someone that's looking for like a red pilled financial advisor, crypto anarchist. I mean, I certified financial planner, which is about as, you know, the highest up type designation that you get. Not that, you know, the crypto community cares about designations, but I'm not some fly by night guy. I mentioned I have been doing this since 2008. Uh, I was willing to lose my job, then my house, you know, for, you know, standing up for what I believe in and lose my income. That was over $100,000 a year. So I don't know how many other, you know, 30-year-old financial advisors at the time were willing to do that. So, you know, I have been ahead of the curve on some things. And, uh, and I know that there's not a lot of other people out there like me. And more so, I need like other people out there like me to help me out in terms of our, our business. So I am, we're, there's about four or five other guys I'm looking at bringing on right now. Uh, to help out with this, but it's like trying to find unicorns where you have, you know, crypto anarchists, financial advisors that know their thing, know their stuff that aren't already crypto rich that, that, you know, it's very hard asked to find these types of people out there like me. Um, and so I, I do know there's like 
tremendous value that can bring to the table, especially the people that got into crypto early and have big, you know, capital gains situations, especially, you know, there's a lot of things on the tax table for this year uh, coming up for next year that is going to really start driving a lot of people more so my way as you know the government messes things up even more. All right, man. Yeah. So, you know, anybody listening to this uh, that, that is thinking they might fall into one of those categories should consider reaching out to you. Right. So you want to give people your information? Yeah. It's the Liberty advisor.com is the main place you can on there. You can also see, uh, you know, the most recent interview we just did, I just got an, an actually a text that just dropped right now was with Gia Griffin. So if you guys don't know who he is, you definitely should know who he is. He's the author of creature from Jekyll Island. I've got a whole series on the crypto wealth show that I've done. Uh, you know, I've, but yeah, you can find all my propaganda up there. I'm I was on World Alternative Media on YouTube, then I got kicked off of YouTube last October. Uh, I was I had a pretty big Facebook presence, then I got kicked off of Facebook with over thirty thousand people following me. Uh, so I'm not on any of those. I mean, I've I've got a, I do have a a smaller YouTube channel up there that's been stuck at two thousand nine hundred seventy subscribers for like all about six months exactly. Content and it's just not it's not growing much i see i see uh we have some of that issue as well what do you, you think something's going on there it's been literally at the exact same number for months and i've gone on some bigger shows and some bigger podcasts too so i don't know how uh like i was on corporate report and he's got a, a huge amazing audience so can't believe it didn't like jump after that and didn't jump after tinfoil hat and didn't jump after some of these other places and so you know i'm sort of suspect uh, but yeah, even like on Facebook, I was, I got 30, over 30,000 subscribers within two months and then got stuck there for five years. So like, so when no one knew me, I was breaching millions of people. And then, you know, then I ended up, you know, just kicking myself off because I was so shadow banned on there. Um, and so now I am on float.app. So float is a social media network uh, that, you know, and they're big, they're big fans of Monero as well on, on float. I'm best friends with the founder of it. And I know that he's a, a big Monero guy as well and uh and so that's a social media network that is basically trying to you know be a, a youtube twitter facebook reddit alternative and then you know right now it is centralized but the roadmap is to decentralize it as they get more funds in because you know you can't just flip on a switch with uh you know a lot of the stuff there are some benefits to centralizing certain aspects of things but and there will be sort of a centralized version and a decentralized version of it where they'll be using IPFS, IPFS on the background to you know, create like a, uh, a decentralized uh, distributed network that can't really be brought down. Uh, so yes, I mean, you can find me. So yeah, the best place is thelibertyadvisor.com. In, in the upper right-hand corner, you can see there's a drop-down where you can find uh, you know, all the media, different things that I'm up to. I also do videos with uh, John Snyson from World Alternative Media where we have this, uh, you know, it's more like economics-based. I've got my own show, uh, the Liberty Advisor show. I do some, I kind of an ode to Jeff Berwick. I do like some walk and talks to my dogs every now and then. Now that it's uh, not 110 degrees out in Phoenix anymore, I can start doing those again. And, uh, but yeah, this summer, I, I sort of took a I took time off this summer to uh, be able to travel around. And I thought, I think they're going to drop the hammer again at some point. So I just wanted to be able to kind of clear my brain until, uh, you know, until I need need to be back into the fight again. And I feel like at some point, uh, you know, now I'm sort of getting right back into it, into the groove, exposing what's going on. And I've been exposing what's going on for a long time. I have a pretty good track record. I predicted on video that Trump would win in 2016 and they blame it on the Russians when he does win. And then at my Anarchapoco 
presentation on video, I, on screen, on PowerPoint. I said Trump's going to lose, and they're going to take these six states through the voting machines, and I nailed the states, and they're going to flip the votes through the voting machines. So uh, not that voting matters. Obviously, you know, crypto is way more important than any of that stuff. But, you know, I did predict he would win, and then win the Russians, and I predicted that he would lose, and they'd do it through voting machines. So, you know, sort of two for two on those tougher. So if you guys want to be ahead of the curve, you guys can uh, go find me on there. And you can see why I'm shadow banned and blacklisted from a lot of these places now. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, we, we might do uh, a Monerotopia conference. Uh, it's kind awesome. of like a, not really so much a conference, but more, more of just a bunch of Monero people meeting up and spending and using Monero. And, uh... It'll be a uh, Spot the Fed conference. No, <laughs> so we'll let you know about it. Maybe, maybe okay. you can join it. We might actually do it down in Puerto Rico. So. Awesome. All right, man, All right. Yeah, go hang out with your kids. I got to go hang out with mine. Thank so, you. Thank you so much, man. Um, much appreciated, Tim. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, I can't look forward to uh, hopefully being at your Monerotopia conference. Awesome, brother. All right, yeah, take care. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have an Alexa device, you can tell it to listen to the latest episode of the Monero Talk podcast. Go to monerotalk.live slash subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.